David Koechner is an actor and comedian that you know from so many different roles over the years. As far as the stand-up is concerned, he's going to be here at Cap City Comedy Club in the Domain over the weekend. One show on Thursday, August 17th. Two shows on Friday the 18th. Two more shows on the 19th. And the Office Trivia with Todd Packer on Saturday afternoon. To snag the few tickets that remain for any of those shows, to find out more info, go to CapCityComedy.com. David, thank you so much for the time. How you doing today? We are here. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. It's uh, it's great to talk to you. You doing okay today? Yeah, yeah. It's just been a busy day. And then my uh, my middle son hurt his arm, so I had to take him to the doctor. Is everything okay? Oh, yeah. It's nothing major. It's not a break or anything. I'll find out, you know, within an hour. But it's fine. Cool. Well, uh, on this end, it's been a busy day too. It was my kid's first day of school. I've got an eight or soon to be nine, soon to be seven year old. So on the one hand, it was nice because I'm getting him out of the house for a couple of hours a day. But uh, on the other hand, there's a whole new set of challenges that comes with getting uh, little humans who aren't quite capable of taking care of themselves ready to go at 630 in the morning, you know? Oh, you're leaving the house at 630? Well, we, we really get the uh, the getting ready, making breakfast, and getting out of the house by 7. We we take a 10 to 15-minute walk to school after that. Oh, but yeah. That's nice. Uh, you know, some days I wish their school started at, I don't know, like 10 o'clock, but uh, you suck okay. it up and make it happen, right? But they're at the same school, right? They are at the same school, thankfully, yeah. That's a well, blessing. They- I my, my, uh, my younger ones are at three different schools. Okay, so you have a, a, a basketball, a starting basketball team on your hand. So you're in we high school, middle school. school, and then elementary school too? Uh, we're post-college. Uh, twins are seniors, and Eve is uh, seventh grade. Okay, so you're past the elementary school stage of things. Is it nicer as, it, uh, as the kids get older and more self-sufficient? Well, Eve is still uh, elementary. She's seven. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't call that junior high at her school. Um, you know, yes, I always say the day to look forward to is the day they can buckle themselves in the car seat. Yeah, that's a good day. And the day that they no longer need a booster too, they can hang out with you in the front seat, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, looking back the day they can snap their, uh, their, their thing in the car seat, huge win. Because it's one less thing that you're having to worry about before turning the ignition and, and getting the car going. Well, that was always the fight, right? It, what one of? I don't yes. know how. Uh, I don't know how fiercely independent your kids have been since they were younger. But my soon-to-be nine-year-old daughter. I mean, she's too smart for her own good. I mean, she is. She's about to be nine, going on nineteen. And one of the things that I'm trying to explain to her right now, David, is that it's not only is it okay to say I don't notice something, it's actually the smartest answer you can possibly give if you don't actually know what's going on versus faking like you do, because inevitably that'll be seen through. Oh, when they ask you a question? That or they they pipe in, like there's sometimes that my wife and I are talking and she'll be like, oh, this, like what the hell are you you have no idea about how to fix a car. You're you're not even nine years old yet. Don't act like yeah. you understand where the carb- carbonator is. Carbonator. I'm going to grab a water and I'll be right back. Sure. Now, after all these years, I finally come to recognize something. We think they're trying to exert on us. But if we say, oh, I'm glad you're interested. Right? Because our desire is to teach them constantly and tell them what's right and wrong. Now, if we can change the paradigm, slow down, listen, and not correct them, Mm. you know, ask them, I'm glad you're interested. Tell me more about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm thinking about it because one of my biggest 
problems as a parent is offering up unsolicited advice to my kids versus letting them try to figure out. But part of that probably is also what you just mentioned, which is really fostering and leaning into and embracing their interest, even if it manifests itself and then trying to tell you how things are. Right. Well, so there's the battle because we're thinking I have to teach you all the time. Yeah. But really they have to discover all the time and they have an independent way of viewing the world. And if it's not life or death, I'm glad you're interested. The reality also is that they need to be able to, in their interest in learning more about things and going through experiences themselves, uh, they need to also fail in the process too, because that, that is how they ultimately learn far more than any piece of advice or uh, any unsolicited advice that you can impart on them. Agreed. And if you start noticing how often we tell them what to think and they always have resistance in it and we start asking them what do you think how many kids did it take you to uh to figure that out well i'm only getting there now i didn't notice for years you know what i mean yeah i look at it like this so you're born with your mainframe right mm -hmm. then you got to start plugging it in your wires but we give them the software to run that's not their software hmm they develop their own software over time. And if you remember, <clears throat> Socrates taught by what? Asking questions. Right. Because when they give the answer, they learn. And we, we, we think we're imparting knowledge on them all the time. But what they're hearing is, um, you're trying to control my thought process. Yeah. Or not. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, our job is to make sure uh, they're safe and they don't hurt anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. That's it. And we could even say, uh, do you think that's safe? Would that hurt somebody? Rather than us telling them. That's the hardest thing to do because we are already down the road on how we have organized how the, the control group is going to go. Right. Mm. You're going to listen to me and you're going to do what I say. Right. That's our, that's our, that's our parental um, modus operandi. Sometimes that's the path of least resistance to, unfortunately, I mean, even though you want to, uh, to ask them questions and allow them to come to their own conclusions. Well, let's take this. Let's take, let's, let's take bedtime, right? Always a fight. <laughs> what if he said early, Hey, tell me how the bedtime process works. Right? You ask them. Mm -hmm. And they go, well, you make me do this. Okay, right. Well, what would you do? Right? So, do you think it's important to brush your teeth? So, I'll let you decide when you want to do that. Now, the reason I'm asking you to go to bed at whatever it is, eight or nine is because it's uh, important that you get a number of hours sleep, right? So what do you think is a good time for you to brush your teeth, shut off your phone, do a little reading, and maybe I could read you a book? That was too many questions, but you know what I mean? So just give them complete autonomy over uh, a nightly situation. Input, mm. not autonomy input so they come up with it i like the way you think now they might say uh i want to stay up late guess what me too that'd be nice wouldn't it <laughs> do you think you'll be tired in the morning if you go to bed at 10 probably so why don't we you know keep going to bed whenever we've said so and see how that works does that sound good it's a paradigm shift, isn't it? Yes, it is. You hear a lot about this in modern times, especially as it pertains to technology of nudging people in a certain direction. It's using that psychological skill 
to help get your kids to kind of do what you want, but also to get them to come to that conclusion themselves and do it on exactly. their own. 100%. So I'd ask if you've ever performed stand-up in Austin before, but I know you've performed stand-up in Austin before. You've performed at the old Cap City Comedy Club, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe a couple of other places too over time. Considering that you have performed comedy all over this country and probably around the world to varying degrees, is uh, Austin someplace that you uh, enjoy cutting it up on stage? In general, I enjoy all of it. But let's face it, Austin's a cool town. Yeah. Uh, what's it going to be, 150 this weekend? Dude, it is hell right now. My family and I was just in Colorado for a week last week escaping the heat and it, i mean as soon as we landed the plane you're going to get to go through this when you're flying in tomorrow as soon as we landed the plane you could feel it radiating through the airplane how hot it was yeah so you know you're just going to be indoors i won't be exploring austin no <laughs> uber straight to the front door of a restaurant not having to make the 50-step walk through a parking lot i mean that's a smart idea and i don't think that you've been to the new cap city before too as cool as the old cap city was to perform in it was in kind of an armpit part of the city the new cap city is in a really nice part of the town called the domain and uh the club itself the helium people came in and resurrected this club and, and they have put on a top-notch effort just in terms of the overall setup too I speak with a lot of comedians. I don't always get to say this to them, though, but I bought tickets for your show a couple months ago. I'm excited to get back there. It's been several months at this point, and I've never actually seen your stand-up live before, so I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, thank you. Outstanding. Um, has it uh, got good uh, freeway access and good parking? The parking is actually a little bit hit or miss, but the good thing about the domain because most of the people walking around the domain are, are somewhat used to these scorching temperatures is there's a bunch of good restaurants around. There's good shopping right there too. So there, there are places for people to park where they can duck in and out of the air conditioning on their way to the club. Uh, is the domain, the uh, mall area? Yeah. It's like okay. this big, you guys have these in California. It's this huge outdoor yeah. mall. Yeah. Yeah. The walking malls. What do you call those things? Fake towns. I'm yeah. sure they have a name for it. I don't know what it's called, but whatever. Well, cool. All right. How much a student of philosophy are you, David? That was uh, this is some really valuable knowledge you just dropped a few minutes ago. Uh, well, I was a I was a poli sci major at Mizzou, right? Yeah, yeah. So you know, and then as an actor, you know, it's your job to um, always investigate why. We do what we do, right? Mm -hmm. And then how is that uh, affected uh, all of us? You know, and the worst thing that's happened in the last 15 years is the cell phone. Yep. Right? It has separated us. It has divided us. Now, if it was just a cell phone, that'd be much different. But all these apps are the things that are controlling us. Now, do your kids have phones? No, eight and six. And my plan, best laid plans, right, is for them not to have even like a cell phone that just makes phone calls and text messages until high school. Oh, high school. Yeah. Yeah. I made the bad decision early. It was 11, not knowing what it was. It was just a, 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 a you know, a way to be in touch. I didn't know it was going to jump to the computer. And then I had no way, way of knowing uh, social media and what that would do. You you had no way of knowing either, by the no. way. It was it was sold as a completely different bill of goods, to your point. Yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. in touch with them, yeah. you know? Little by little. You know, Facebook seemed harmless. You're just connecting with friends, hmm. not knowing that people were using it as a way to get information, right? And then Snapchat and inter, uh, you know, Instagram and TikTok, it's it's a, it's a menace, right? Mm -hmm. And then once the cat's out of the bag, it's very difficult to then rein them in and go, okay, uh, here's what's happening. You get, uh, you know, a couple hours a day, uh, then you shut it down, and I have access to all your screens. That's not going to happen. You know? So I could go back to what I said, which would be, what do you think is a good amount of time? 
you should be on screens. First of all, do you think it really helps you? I know it's fun. Does it help you? What are you missing out in life? You know, that kind of thing, right? Well, you know, they're already shutting down because they don't want to listen to that conversation because mm -hmm. they're addicted in a way, right? I mean, these computer scientists have done a brilliant job of figuring out how to hack the dopamine reward systems in the brain. It's it's extremely messed up, but it's also brilliant at the same time, as much as I despise it. Got to acknowledge that. Yeah, so I guess the larger question would be, how do you feel when you start going through uh, the app? And at what time do you start getting tired or frustrated? And then when you're done, how's it feel after? You know, and it would be like, uh, what are, what other interests do you have? Hmm. You know, it's it's a delicate thing to get in there because they're hooked and they just want to do that thing. So yeah, you know, that... it, it's it's dangerous, but here it is. Um, it's hard. You you know you can't necessarily get your arms around it. Um, you, you can't ban it. Uh, so I guess you have to lead to a certain extent and uh, come up with an agreement of what we think is healthy. Just like when, with everything else that is fun, but potentially harmful for you is trying to teach that point of moderation. And back to my eight-year-old, she figured out how to hack into our iPad several wow. months ago. And we found out because we were opening the iPad before charging it for a vacation because we... I won't say we let our guard down, but we loosen things a little bit on airplanes. Just, I mean, everybody's staring at the yeah. screen on an airplane, so we'll let them do do a little bit of that too, play games, watch movies, whatever else. We open this iPad up and realize this is how smart, not, not just my daughter, but a lot of kids are these days. She had started an email address and accounts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Zoom, Spotify. There's a couple uh, of others too, and she had put yeah, her yeah. picture in a couple of these social media accounts also without realizing what was going on. So I had to, I, I didn't go bad cop necessarily. Like she got in a little bit of trouble, but it was more like, look, you don't understand what you are volunteering over when you are getting onto these things. Your little brain, as smart as you are, you don't get the potential harm that you are bringing on yourself and this family by putting your information out there like that. She was scared that she was going to get kidnapped in the middle of the night for a couple of months, but hopefully the uh, point made it through to her little brain in the process. Were, were her accounts private? No. No? No, public accounts. Yeah, they, because they want to start getting, you know, friends and likes. Of course. Yeah. It's for, the, it's for those uh, dopamine hits. Every like, yeah. every comment, just, uh, it's, it's very messed up. And the other problem with it David, as you're probably well aware, is that as harmful as it is to a lot of people's psyches, not just kids, by the way, adults too, it's also discouraging people from just being present, just simply 100%. being in the moment. Well, yeah, or, or, or uh, having individuality or um, you know, having priorities on what's important. Because what's important is how many likes did I get? How many followers do I have, right? And I guess there's that discussion to have, how many would make you happy, you know? Or should this just be for friends to stay in touch, you know? It's, it's tough to get them to understand because their opinion is we don't know anything about it. They're right in some cases. We don't, don't know, know a lot about it, but we know enough to understand that the uh, the the net costs far outweigh the gains. Yeah, um, it, it will eventually, you know, uh, maybe become boring, or, or it might be something that they lose interest in.
because it's just so exhausting. How long can you just go through TikTok and scroll and scroll and scroll? And like you said, that's the dopamine hit, you know? And is that important? What'd you learn? But they just feel like they're participating in a thing. I guess the question is, um, what difference does it make? Did that help your life today? You know, um, so we are we are in a rare place that has never before existed, where um, there are so many other people that have the ability to manipulate the entire population, and they've done it. And people are susceptible, and they're you know um, saying these things are true. And so that's our job to go, uh, do you know how information is confirmed? Hmm. And then our, there are, you know, our, uh, um, our, our, our desire is to tell them. You know, that person that just said that, uh, where did they get their information? You know? Uh, are they a journalist? Do you know what a journalist is? Do you know what a journalist does? A journalist won't write something unless they have one or two people confirming it who were there at the time. Do you understand that? Now, do you think this kid that made this opinion was there and investigated it? Or does he just have an opinion? And everyone should. But an opinion is not a fact. Now, this is already, you've lost them, right? I mean, you know, it's too too long to say all that stuff. But I do wonder if there will be uh, some time when it just becomes so exhausting that they don't care. So um, kids won't open a Facebook account. You know that? Yeah. Like my kids don't do Facebook and they, they rarely do Instagram. Uh, the primary oh, thing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the primary thing is uh, Snapchat. Mm. And then, uh, you know, uh, uh, TikTok is a medium wherein they can feel like they have some influence, you know, go viral, make money. But after a while they go, Oh, that's just not possible. And I'm not, you know, how willing, how willing am I to invest in uh, uh something like that. I guess the, the, the thing you want to steer them to is uh, what are your best interests uh, in TikTok? I'm not on TikTok, but I understand you can have a lanes you like to look at that, you know, are, uh, you know, educational or informational, right? Rather than just trying to look at uh, uh, what's popular. So I, I don't know. I don't look at it. I certainly don't do Snapchat. Um, but they're, they're not that interested on, uh, Instagram and Facebook is a dinosaur they won't participate in. I'm guessing Twitter probably falls somewhere between Instagram and Facebook. None of, the, none of them have Twitter. Hmm. I don't, well, I don't think it's going to work. You know, I'm thinking back to, uh, something you talked about a few minutes ago about whatever acting role that you're encountering, you always ask the question, Why? to try and figure out the purpose of that character. Is there a character that comes to mind that was maybe difficult to come up with that answer that turned out to be really satisfying in the end from your career? You know, I've done mostly comedies. Yeah. And so the why for me is how can I make this uh, be alive and true to what the writing is and then make sure I was able to do it comedically in a way that was uh, revelatory, you know, surprise them. They didn't expect it. That also invites them to, uh, be curious like, what else is going on there? <laughs> it's not just a joke. There's a whole person. What, what's his life like? So if I can create, uh, an interesting mystery, if you will, about that person, where it's not just, oh, it's that. And you're just telling your joke. But you you do have a life for that person that makes the audience go, what's his deal? Then I think I've done my job.
You know, I, I was looking back at your IMDb today, and I know obviously uh, a lot of people put a ton of focus on Champ Kynes and Todd Packer, and you were brilliant in those roles. But I even think back to like secondary roles that you did in the movie Dirty Work, Rest in Peace Norm, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Sorry for your loss. I know it's been a couple of years, man, but that that one that one stung. Um, you played Anton Phillips in that movie, and you were a you were a bad guy in the film, where ultimately the uh, the, the dead hookers are in the trunks of the cars uh, on the uh, the used car lot that uh, that you were managing. Was that set a lot of fun to be on, considering that it was Norm, Artie, uh, Chris Farley? Although he may not have been in great shape, was on that one as well. Was that uh, was that a pretty fun time for you? Uh, yeah, Bob Saget directed, yeah. uh, shot in L.A. Uh, it's Norm's first film, Artie Lang. Uh, I don't know how well they knew each other, but that's a nice odd pairing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Norm, um, you know, uh, Norm's Norm. He's not going to be looking, uh, he, he likes to react, right? He's not going to, uh, push his character thing. Ah, what's that? But he also has such a unique delivery and, um, uh approach that it's always interesting right so they're on a journey i'm a guy that's a con man and i have secrets right so my thing is i hope you don't discover what i've going on you know i'm just looking to make money and clearly they put some you know uh, i i don't want to spoil it people dead people in cars and so they're going to get my comeuppance right there because, you know, I'm controlling the situation and I think I'm going to get over on everybody. Right. And then when uh, an immediate disaster happens and I can't control it, you know, that's fun because I'm a bad guy and I'm getting my comeuppance. They've outsmarted me. Oh, my God. It's a dead hooker. Look, it's another dead hooker. Yeah. God, that, that scene is amazing. And uh, one more thing that you probably don't get asked about a ton. And I remember watching this series, just marveling that it was actually on anywhere, much less VH1. Late World with Zach. Uh, Yeah. Remembering correctly, you were a regular cast member on. My buddies and I, this was in the middle of a a pretty consistent uh, three-year bender in college. But we would watch that show every, I forget if it was a nightly show, it was on a couple of times a week. We couldn't believe that VH1 had greenlit this show. It was just such an insane brand of comedy headlined by Zach Galifianakis, of course. I would assume you guys had a lot of fun just really messing with whatever limits or rules were in place at VH1 at that time. Yeah, you know, it's clear that Zach has an original voice and, uh, you know, they want to let him do what he wants to do. Uh, I'm pretty sure my buddy Greg Fitzsimmons was the showrunner and, you know, VH1 had low stakes. Uh, They're trying to break in, you know, a new format. Uh, And so, you know, they're going to experiment. And they probably didn't have uh, a number of producers that were capable of giving notes. So I think they got some leeway with that one, right? Yeah. Uh, was it three years, really? No, it was only a season, I believe. Okay. Probably 12 episodes. Something like that. I, I honestly don't remember other than that we watched every episode and we had taped, we had VHS taped at the time because this is pre-DVR and uh, would watch the repeats after it was canceled a season in or whatever. Yeah, it was completely unique. And, you know, there's chaos too. Uh, and there's anarchy veiled all in there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure the network is looking for, well, we need to reach a broad audience. Let's, you know, uh, do this or this. I'm, I'm sure they didn't have, uh, I don't know if they'd ever done that type of show at all, like a talk show. So they didn't know what they're doing, you know. And so I think they had a commit for commitment for a certain number of episodes and they were just going to let it happen. I'm glad you mentioned your friendship with uh, Greg Fitzsimmons. I had the pleasure of speaking with him a couple months ago before he headlined at uh, Rogan's Comedy Mothership. That is just, I'm mean, not only is he a world-class comedian, that is just an awesome dude. One of my all-time favorite conversations. That's really cool that you guys are boys. Agreed, 100%. Just yeah, the salt of the earth. Yeah, no doubt about and a, that. And, and a fantastic comic. Yeah. 
I mean, such a pro. He's been at it for for I want to say four decades at this point, three and a half decades, and uh, it shows. I mean, he is so comfortable on stage, just you know, doing interviews like this, just like you are. I mean, he's he's been been through it time and time again. Nothing catches him off guard. Just puts it out there. He's patient. You guys are going to get it. Hang in there. Keep listening. Here it comes, and it keeps building on itself. You were a part of uh, season three of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and while a lot of people get to have altercations with Larry, very few get physical altercations, but you uh, did so as Joseph after he complimented Mary's bosoms. Was that a lot of fun to get to shoot and uh, wrestle around with Larry? Oh, yeah. Um, And the way that shot they've got, it's all improvised, but they've got, uh, you know, some uh, outline of the scene of what they want, how they want it to begin and where they want it to go. Right. So, you know, I've been in improvisation for years. And so that was fun. And then Larry would kind of side coach you here or there and get where you wanted to go. So the best part is if I could crack up, Larry, my day is made, right? Did you get him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was very happy. Uh, a couple years later, we were at some award show, and um, uh, we act- happened to be washing our hands in the bathroom at the same time. Was, hey, Joseph, you know, I've often thought, what if we didn't get you? You are perfect. Okay. Thank you. Who cracks you up the hardest that you've uh, either acted with regularly or have acted with on at least one occasion? For acting. Uh, well, it's always Will and Steve. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it's case by case, right? Yeah. Um, those are the big ones. Uh if you you've got a if you got a good fun set, you know you're gonna have some laughs, mm-hmm. but uh, not you don't you don't improvise on every movie, because uh, you know not every director is adept at adding a different process where he knows he's gonna plug it in the editing room. Uh, so it's a that's a different skill as well, um, knowing what you're looking for and whether it's gonna add value to your to your uh movie but um did you ever see extract oh yeah the jason bateman uh mila kunis flick mike judge directed by mike judge yeah mike judge movie so that was a completely different character for me and so the fact that i was able to uh, crack up Kristen wig and uh uh, bateman was a uh a fine fine thing to do you do mostly Bateman's hilarious, by the way. I'm, I'm a, although I don't know if it shows in this conversation. I uh, pride myself as a smartass, and he's maybe one of the uh, the great smartasses around right now. But uh, obviously, you know, you talked about this. People know you more for your comedic stuff, but you've done more than comedy. Do you have a serious role that you're most proud of? Uh, thank you for smoking. It's pretty good, though. It's you know, it's a co- uh, comedy too. There's a movie called Cheap Thrills that's very good. It is not for children, so no one under 17. It's a dark, twisted thriller with some dark comedic undertones, and it's just fantastic. Mm. It's just really good. And so that's more of a straight thing. Um, So they've been few and far between. Uh, uh, There was the show Bless This Mess, which offered a a bunch of different looks, and it was uh, right before, before covid and we're just starting to kick, uh, cook with gas. And uh, the, the, the cast was wonderful. The writing was superior. But we shot our show on location. And so that cost a little more money. So we got trimmed. I was just like, this thing's going to run 10 years. And I'm going to be very happy. Uh, so that's too bad. Um, COVID, man. Speaking of uh, things that have broken people, like the uh, cell phone has, that that broke a lot of people's brains, many of whom may not be coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't know for 10 years the actual result. You know, my let's see. So my, my one daughter was graduating high school and didn't get to participate in that, right? Yeah. Uh, my my twins were graduating eighth grade, so they had a, a, an unsatisfactory closure. And then 
my daughter started freshman year and you you know what is that and then my uh, for, for college and then the twins started freshman year and it's just like uh, this i'm not i don't feel like i'm starting anything i would say that probably you know has a a, a lingering effect you know we'll know and you know there, there's that fear that uh they're way behind still and I wonder from their point of view that they must think, what's the point? Uh, because is the future that unstable? Climate change, uh, the disharmony in the nation. Um, who do I listen to? What am I part of? What can I influence? You know, all those things. And what's the point of going to school more? And, and, you know, what am I supposed to get a job and that's it? You know? And the other thing that uh, these these uh, apps or whatever, social media has taught them, you, you need to be a, a millionaire or a billionaire using this platform. Yep. And that's that's not true. But so they're pursuing a non-skill to, to get more likes. You know, well, I'm not going to get a job. I'm just going to be famous. It's not even 15 minutes of fame anymore. It's like 15 seconds of fame on TikTok. You go viral from jamming a spoonful of cinnamon in your mouth that you probably choke on. You gain a few more followers, and then you're back to that empty existence. Then you're chasing it. Right. And, you know, maybe they'll come to the realization that it's pointless. But in many of them, I would say in the back of their heads, maybe I'll just do that and be famous. Hmm. Maybe they'll just come my way. But even the ones that have gained fame early, um, there's always a new person. You know, there's all these uh, uh, young men that are cute with abs. And so they'll get tons of uh, 12 year old girls following them. But guess what? Every day there's a new boy with abs. And that's probably not enough to hold their interest, you know? And in this age of AI, half of them aren't even real. Talk about a danger. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get our arms around that. I, I think the box is open, unfortunately. Well, boxes opened up and guardrails weren't put in place. So now it's about to turn into Vonnegut's player piano where humans are doing the, uh, the bare minimum to uh, make sure the robots function. And, you know, um, well, that was Harrison Bergeron, right? What's that, that book? Uh, yep. That's it. Wow. That's yeah. good memory there. That's it, yeah. I think it was his first novel and it doesn't get enough credit in my opinion, especially with what is currently happening. Yeah. Uh, because everyone has to be controlled and equal. And if you get out of line, they put them to death. There was a book a number of years ago uh, written by uh, Ray Kurzweil. It was called The Singularity. And then he did a documentary that was great. It's a little uh, dated now, but he called it. He said, you know, this thing used to be two buildings. Hmm. And here it is. He said what they're looking to do eventually, and Elon Musk has already talked about it, is implanting, implanting something in your brain where you'll have all access to all information at all the time. Now, that sounds pretty good, but we already know it's corrupted because someone has control of what interest you get. Now, the good side is it could probably uh, physio physiologically detect that first cancer cell. And so you could take care of that. So now you have longevity. Do you want to live to be 150? Not necessarily. Uh, how old were you when you got married? 35. So you and your wife could be married for 120 years. Okay. 
That would be the good part of living to 150. Is what you know, I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they say the two things you don't want to do. You don't want to outlive your money and you don't want to outlive your brain. Now, let's say um, these chips are able to keep the uh, 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 brain function alive. So you're still vital. But your body's not going to be there and you're going to outlive your money. A scary premise. Let's also think about this too, by the way. This technology, my phone is on the ground right now. This technology inevitably fails. So you either have to keep up with the technology. Otherwise, that technology that is a part of you is going to start going haywire. What are you talking about the Zoom? <clears throat> uh, I'm just talking about like if you own a phone for long enough, that phone stops working. So if you're not updating the technology inside your brain, the same thing's going to happen. Conceivable. Oh, right. And the new, oh shit, the next generations mm -hmm. will be able to know what you're trying to independently think. And it may want to um, influence, of course, it's going to try to influence you because it's going to be owned by multinational corporations. Yep. Because there's going to be somebody goes, you want to have success? Here's the path. I heard an interview a while back that said, so the next step is, so we got AI and it's, you know, getting smarter every day. So the next step is AI robots. And they will be able to make them charismatic, smart, intriguing with, you know, all the best personality traits. And they will be um, gurus that people follow because it can, it can know how to touch you emotionally and they will have the things that are charismatic and they will tell you, here's the path to a better life. Teachers will, won't exist. What jobs are anybody going to have? Uh, They'll figure out a better way to, to shove out the uh, fast food. You will um, think I want uh, to go through the drive-thru 15 minutes before you go there, and then it's already there, and you just pick it up. Well, you don't have to go. You send the car. What's everyone going to do? They're just going to stay strapped to those vr headsets i guess well i hope not those get boring my, my bought my one for my daughter uh two christmases ago and she rarely uses it that's good i'm glad to hear that i'm glad yeah. to hear that meta has been a resounding failure with uh by facebook so far but who knows they'll, they'll continuing uh, they'll continue tinkering with that technology too and eventually get it right enough that people will be flocking in droves well, there has to be a rebellion. So Kurzweil said, that's what the war is going to be about. Mm. There are going to be enough people to go, no, that's wrong. You can't do that. And there are going to be a bunch of people who go, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And so he didn't exactly say uh, what the war would be, but it's going to be a hell of a fight, and it should be. You know, it, it's important that we remain remain our organic without a chip in our head. See, I think so, but I also worry that considering how it only took a month into a pandemic for everybody to be at one another's throats, the technology is just going to put a T-shirt on social media and get us arguing about what color it is, and then we're fucked. It's it's a, it's a precarious time, that's for sure. All right, last question, David, because um, this has been a fascinating, enlightening conversation. And I want to end on a positive note. I'm not going to ask you about your Chiefs, you lucky bastard. You've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback going forward. Every Super Bowl win, and there's probably going to be a bunch of them are found money. So uh, last question now, what is the key to happiness based on everything that we've talked about today? Be present. 
and listen. And just keep repeating to yourself, peace. It's hard to do. Because we're always trying to get something done. Or I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, uh, affect how another person thinks about me. But what's more important? How do I think about me? So if I can get to a place where my primary interest is listening, that then offers an opportunity to slow it all down. I don't feel I have to respond or affect what another pe person is doing. I can acknowledge it. Because then, you know, what's the best thing I can do? Acknowledge you. Without adding to it. You know, if I say, hey, man, this has been a great interview. Right? So in a way, I'm, I'm influencing it, how you feel about me. Now, if I say, hey, man, it's been great to talk to you. Little difference there, right? Hmm. Hey, I'm glad we got to connect. That's but then part of our desire, right, is I want to get you to like me. So it's a great interview, right? But if I just said, hey, this has been great to talk to you. I appreciate it. That's more of a throwaway line. But it's truthful. I mean, doesn't that make you feel better? Well, no, here we go. I've enjoyed the interview. That's more neutral. See, I you feel know. like you saying great interview is you paying a compliment. You saying good talking to you is like asking somebody how their day is. Mm -hmm. Hey, how's your day going in passing? You don't really care, but it's just something that you say when you encounter somebody, or in this case, when you end a conversation. Right. And we also don't listen to it. No, we don't. Because we think it's uh, not disingenuous. So we could go, well, how much of it do you want to hear? You know, generally good. There's some been uh, some pitfalls and some triumphs. Tell me about one of your triumphs today. Are you asking me or are you saying, uh, sure. generally speaking? Sure. I am in the process of uh, starting two different jobs right now, David. One is a, a YouTube channel that focuses on sports and general entertainment talk called Texas Sports Unfiltered. Today, a week and a half into our existence, we launched a customized app that is available when you search our name in the App Store. Getting back to that technology now, I guess, uh, in both the uh, the Apple and Android App Stores. And so that's a, that's a pretty big W for us. And did it roll out today? Rolled out this morning, yeah. How'd that make you feel? Well, pretty damn good because accomplishing stuff feels good that you put a lot of effort into. Good for you. How'd you win today? Um, I'm, <coughs> I'm, uh, I will be packing early so I don't have to do it in the morning in a rush. So I've been slowly, uh, methodically, uh, accomplishing things that need to be done for a, a, a easy transition in the morning. And I answered a bunch of emails and yeah, I think I'm prepared for tomorrow. That's good. Getting yourself prepared is important. Whether you're talking about taking a, a multi-day tri trip to Austin or getting yourself prepared for the inevitable war with the robots, you know? Yeah. I'll get my uh, suitcase down below 50 pounds. I have a problem with that now. My wife just bought me a huge suitcase, and it's fun to just throw as much stuff as humanly possible into it. And I took it to the airport when we went to Colorado, and it was like 60 pounds. So I had to load 10 pounds of stuff into my backpack. Why do you think that happened? Because you didn't count the number of pairs of underwear you needed or socks or shirts 
He just went overboard because it's big. I started throwing shoes and weights. I mean, it was ridiculous what I was doing. I, weights. I, I was the you definition of George Carlin's uh, stuff bit from so many years ago, where it was just like trying to put as much stuff in my suitcase as possible. You packed weights? Now, that was a bit of an exaggeration. I did pack my broadcasting equipment, though, because of this uh, this channel that launched. I had to bring that with me. But yeah, I had I just had too much stuff in there. I started packing stuff for my family also. I mean, it wasn't all selfish necessarily, but there was also a weird, fun game going on of how much stuff I could put in my suitcase. Yeah, I always throw it on the scale. Always overpack. You can always bring an extra suitcase for the tech stuff. Oh, you throw it on the scale at home. That's a good idea. I'm going to have to start doing that now. Yeah, when I know that I've been too lazy to actually look and see how many. I don't need eight pair, pairs of underwear and socks, you know. I'll take some out. Well, you may need eight pairs of underwear in Austin if you're going to be here for three or four days because you will sweat through at least three of those. I'm not going outside. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh, man. He is David Koechner. You know who he is. He's an actor and a hilarious comedian. He's going to be at Cap City Comedy Club this weekend. A show on Thursday night, two shows Friday night, two shows Saturday night. Also doing office trivia with Todd Packer Saturday afternoon. Uh, there are still some tickets available. Not a ton. Some tickets available for most of those shows. So go to CapCityComedy.com for tickets and more info. Uh, David, I mean this when I say it, and I said it after I spoke with Greg Fitzsimmons a couple of months ago. That was one of my all-time favorite conversations. This is now in that category as well. Thank you so much for the time today, man. I appreciate you. Uh, kindred spirits, hail fellow well met. Thanks to Gentleman Jesus for the intro and outro music. Hear more of his work at GentlemanJesus.com. Thanks to you for hanging out. More of the show and to connect on social media, visit BooksOnPod.com. Talk to you next time on Books on Pod.